Radioinfluence.com. I'm having the happiest of days here lately. I think because my edge up is staying in. You know, when you get that edge, I'm going to tell you something, man. And look, look, um, do what you want to with this information. But um, a haircut to a black man is like a, 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 a white lady when she see a puppy. You see how happy they be? That That's how I be when I get that edge. I be this. That's how happy I be. It don't matter what the rest of it look like. When that barber give me that edge, boy, whoo. Ooh, I could hug myself. Ooh. Oh, my bad. My bad. Skip focused here, man. She may a DJ. He can tell most connected DJ. Uh, the DJ can podcast. And um, uh, I'm having some fun as we get back to this. And shouts out to Miss Melissa L, who um, she'll probably be here later. But first and foremost, I had to call this lady right here because she is super, super, super. Let me say super one more time because that's how special that she is to me. And she is like one of the people I look to because you know, when you know smart people, you got to call the smart people, you know, when you see things, especially on this here on Beyonce's Internet that interests you. Sometimes you got to call the smart people because you get caught in them comments, boy. And everything could mess up, man. My girl, oh, Miss 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 Audrey Townsend, uh, uh, Calix Psychological um, and people that have for the folks who haven't seen you or heard you on the pod before. Um, let's just start with first of all how are you doing and and the credentials because i like to let people know first of all i love my black women i salute and and and, hey look hey hey what what tupac say we all came from a woman we can't be talking crazy out here um but you know just just what you do and some credentials as we get started here and again i am so glad that you had the time to rock with me today i appreciate it Thank you. No problem. I mean, it's always a pleasure when you call me. I, I get excited when I hear your voice and and you trust me. <laughs> well, you know, I do. I do. <laughs> but again, I, you know, I was about to correct you because you said Miss Audrey. Oh, you, oh you're right. You're right. That's that's right. My bad. Mrs. My bad. Mrs. No, no, no. no. Wait. Doctor. Don't. <sighs> you know what? You know, and, and let me apologize because I don't ever mean to get this wrong. And like, I, I guess, I guess I get, I get so caught up in giving you all the supers, you know, because I was giving you all the supers that you write though, doctor, doctor. And I, but there's a reason that I reach out to you because I feel I like you know, you know. Yeah, I tell people all the time if you don't ask that man to call him Mister. Don't ask me to call me miss. Yeah. So we got the same. And and you know, and, and to be honest though, like, like honestly, that's like a, it's like, honestly, I don't even do that on purpose. I just, I, honestly, I was making sure that I got your titles in that you, cause I will be like, Audrey, you know, cause you know how I call you, you know, you'd be like, you know, we get in this environment. I got to give you, I got to give you your props. You know, you allow me to call you cause we personal friends. But you know, this is all love, and you know, we just joking. Oh, yes, you know, I'm not yes, on the titles at all. And you <laughs> call me Audrey, and we roll with it. Um, but no, it, it's all good, it's all love. But, um, again, Dr. Audrey Towns, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. Um, I am the owner of Calix Psychological Services and also um, Thrive Integrated Living. Um, and so we um, actually, I'm in one of our homes now, we open um, safe housing for um, men and women. Um, and, and, you know, I just cannot begin to say how blessed we are to be a blessing to other people. And so, you know, as we're talking, it's all about walking in your purpose. And, you know, when you walk in your purpose, everything just becomes easy. And so I'm, I'm living in my easy space right now. I love it. I love it. And I love it. Um, wh- where did you go to school at, by the way? 
I went to a HBCU, so I am a Xavier University of Louisiana alum. Oh. Um, got my got my master's um, in health administration from Tulane. I just wasn't ready to leave New Orleans. Um, and then I went to South Florida where we met um, in Florida to get my doctorate in clinical psychology at Nova. But, you know, I'm always claiming my HBCU. Hey, you know, you know, I just want to make it clear. Doctors do hang out at my party, Jason. I know you thought that we you know. know hey, yeah, I know hey, you. I know you. Hey. I know you think that you know, like you know, I'm all ratchet. You know, because you see some of these videos no. out here. But um, you know, I'm pretty well connected in the professional realm. There you go. I just want to make that clear. Um, can we before we get into this story that I definitely want to talk to you about? Let Let me. Because, you know, this this has been a, a lot of talk, right, especially these last few years and with some of the things that Biden has done. And, of course, just the his, history of HBCUs. How important right. do you think that that phase was of your life of going to an HBCU instead of, you know, just another another school? Right. Having attended an HBCU really allowed me to learn who I was. Um, you know, I think, you know, I can't speak for all HBCUs, but my experience was about community. Um, you know, even from the, from the president to the faculty, to all of the other students, it was, you know, look to your right, look to your left. It wasn't like, somebody's not going to be here. It was like, look to your right, look to your left. Those are the people who you need to make sure gets to the end with you. Right. And that was the message that we got from day one. So it was like, you know, we're here with each other. And actually, we still I'm so close with a lot of the alums from Xavier. And we still share that um, motto. It's like we we're doing we're in this together because we're a community and we even reach back. Like we're really active in the alum chapter. So we reach back to make sure that people who are going to Xavier, you know, have it easy on their first day. So I think it really it really, you know, harnessed um a want and need to really just know like who I am in this world and to know that any room that I show up in, I belong there. And not just because of my skin color, not just because I'm a woman, because I earned the right to be there. Right. Do you so think- I think that that was, that's, I don't think I could have gotten that from a, a PWI. Right. Do you think that um compared to when you went, right. And when you went to, to, you know, Xavier, as opposed to now, do you think that the the reps of HBCUs has gotten much better? I mean, because one thing that we do know, right, is that they and they having to give y'all more credit every day, right? The right. black the black woman is 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 damn near saving the world half the time, right? Like right, right, they, right. They, it'll come down, it'll shake down, and be like the sister saved it again, right? So when you when you look at this and you look at like, you know, historically, like, you know, the stories about HBCUs and like even, you know, of course, athletics is the big one that comes to mind. Right. Because a lot of these guys that be D1s or whatever, you know, that they go to D1s because these dudes are like top 20 in the country. Right. And they go to the Carolinas and the Dukes and no disrespect to them or whatever. You know, we're talking football and basketball. But do you think that the, the reputation or how we talk about HBCUs is much better now than when you went? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. I think that um, throughout the years, you know, HBCU, you know, I think it started because I wanted to go to HBCU because of a different world. Ah, boom. Um, And I think a lot of us really kind of use that as a model for like, no, we want that experience. Right. And I could tell you that primarily that's all I applied for was an HBCU. I knew I want who I wanted to be with going through this next phase in my life. Um, I think it kind of died down a little bit after that, 
But I think now, like we're seeing, you know, the HBCU surge, you know, uh, revitalize itself. Um, you know, definitely, you know, I give all hats off to JSU Jackson State with, you know, the De- Deion. Yeah, Sanders. I was going to bring him up. Yeah. You know, I think that's huge. Um, Xavier didn't have a football team, so we were all academics. We didn't have a band. We didn't have all this. So we were all academics. And Xavier is known for graduating the most um, African-Americans to go to medical school. And shout out to Xavier. We're about to open our own medical school. So, Boom. hey, you know, you can't get any bigger than that. Right. Um, but I think that, you know, with with all of the professionals who've already graduated from HBCUs and we're being more active and more vocal about our experience and people can just look and see all of the wonderful things HBCU alums are doing. Why wouldn't you want to go to HBCU? Right. And, and you bring up a good point, too. And I, I'm glad you, you went there because I was going to mention uh, Deion Sanders and, and big shout out to what he's doing. Right. And you talk about like back in the day. And it's crazy because. Now that we hear so much about the different sides of Bill Cosby, right? He put all these really dope, positive images on screen, right? Because, I mean, I don't care who you are. If you watch TV in those days, you had to give it up for a different world because they gave us all the experiences, first of all, that mattered to us. And then before the word influencer became popular or whatever, it was those sweaters. It was what they were wearing, Uh right? We saw those. Those meant something to us when we shopped, right? And we weren't even online. We was like, where's the store at that I can get that? You understand what I'm saying? And so I guess my next question I want to ask you is, you have a son. How old is your son? He's 10. Okay. And- if people who don't follow you online, like I love the relationship that you guys have because he's quite a character. You, who I know already, right, right, like you, you guys, like you talk about so many different things, and and it's it's it reminds me a lot of me and my mom, right? Except for we didn't have mm-hmm. the internet, right? Like me and my mom, I tell people all day, like I don't, you can't tell me nothing about. Maybe she hit me too hard, I don't know, but there ain't nobody I'm a trade because she was always right. there, right? And I know there was a reason that I caught those discipline, those those things that disciplined me because I already know there was constantly days that I was like, she would be like, get away from the line, and I'd be like, toe on the line. She'd be like, didn't you know what I'm saying? So 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 my my no, question, not you, Ian. No. There was a time when you know, when, you know, there was a time when I was backsliding on the regular. You know? <laughs> Right. So, so when you when you when you look at your your son writing and you're you're talking to him writing, he's thinking about schools and stuff like that. And then you look at how the how crazy the internet is, right? Mm-hmm. And you look at how, like you said, when you grew up, there were these images that were constantly there, right? And I tell people all the time, kids nowadays, they gotta fight on their hands because the images that keep getting pushed to them and they all have phones now because it's almost like the way to go to make sure you can get in touch with your with your kid because of all the craziness in the world right so these images even how much that we try to be like oh, i don't need this you know if you don't they don't see it with you and talk to you right johnny got the phone at school and he gonna show Absolutely. Him, right so Absolutely. so how are you going about you know when you guys talk about school and you know, the experience of being a young black man, because I know, you know, just knowing you, those talks have to be had. And, you know, maybe where he's thinking about going to school and that sort of thing. How are those talks being had, you know, especially with, you know, with with his mom's history and close as close as you guys are? Right. Well, you know, and we've already started those talks and I, and I think I'm super blessed. I know his dad hates when I say I'm a single mom because it makes me, <laughs> makes everyone feel like he's not involved, which right. he's heavily involved. But I tell him, I say, that's my story. You're going to let me tell my right. story. <laughs> And and, 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 big, my- and big shout out to you and his dad too because like and I and I give you this too like you do 
you always talk about like how dope the co-parenting situation got you guys have created. And I think it's dope too, because a lot of things that are put out about the black family is like, this might didn't work, but all of a sudden, no, like the way you do it. And I can attest to it. Y'all do it. You know what I'm saying? So big, big shout to you and him. It takes a lot of maturity to get to that point. And you have to make sure that, um, the love that you have for your child and your purpose for raising a child together is greater than your ego. Boom. And we, and we decided that early on, like uh, put the, the stuff that didn't work out with us to the side. Like we have a mission and you're my partner in this mission. So let's focus on the goal. And that's kind of really how we're very intentional about, you know, our partnership, you know, with raising him. And I think that, you know, one of the things that I was concerned about is because, his father and I came from a two parent household um, and we felt like, you know, his experience being, you know, with, you know, separated parents. But I can tell you, he probably has a better experience than we had with two parents. Cause I know it was times when I was like, why y'all still together? <laughs> but I, I think that he, he, he really enjoys you know, sometimes he needs a break from me. And he'll go with his dad. And sometimes he can't get what he needs at his dad's house. He'll come back to my house. Right. And it's all cool. But the thing is, we communicate. Like, so I know what's going on in his dad's house. You know, he'll, and, and his dad tells me stuff that's going on in my house that I miss. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, like, he ordered what Grand Theft Auto. It's connected to his dad's account. So his dad, we have a group chat. His dad was like, did you tell your mom? that you ordered Grand Theft Auto. He, he looked at me. He was like, yeah, mom, I ordered Grand Theft Auto. I'm like, your dad just told me. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the info, son. Right. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're intentional about um, co-parenting. But getting back to the question, yes, we do talk about, you know, his next steps. And I think he is, and we let him know just because, you know, he, he's privileged. Our son is privileged. You know, he goes to private school. Both his parents are doctors. Um, but we make sure that he knows that, you know, that's not what it's about in life. Like God gives us stuff to give to you so that you can shine and give it to other people. And he understands that he, he he's with us all the time. When we're volunteering, when we're giving back. Um, and so he understands that. And so, you know, we we're going to leave it to him whether he wants that experience or not. You know, um, I think I didn't have an option. My dad was like, you're going to college. <laughs> right. um, but I think we agreed that we didn't want to pressure him. If he didn't want to go to college, that's fine. Um, college isn't for everyone, but you're going to have to do something. Right. <laughs> like you got to do something right. that you know will be able to sustain yourself. But I think he is already thinking about college. He doesn't know where he wants to go, but he knows what part of the world he wants to live in. He knows okay. he wants to be in New York oh, okay. um, or Florida. So, but he's 10. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, we're going to have like eight, eight, 87 right. more decisions before he's <laughs> right, 18, right? right? But, but I'm always pushing. He's been to Xavier's campus more times than we can count. He knows Xavier. He knows about sororities, fraternities, all the other good stuff. His dad is a Kappa. Uh, so, you know, he's been throwing a yo since he was, you know, oh, well, there you go. years old. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, it's going to be up to him and, and we leave it up to him. Okay. Oh, well, you know, I, you know, I, you know, sometimes to me, I feel like 
these talks need to be had because you know Absolutely. you you know if we do something bad they gonna they run to the front page with your story or run to the front page with his dad's right. story right but we don't get these good talks about you know there's ups and downs and there's things we got to work on but we working on it together as a as right. a unit and i think that that is so dope man and no, I, that's my, that's, that is my partner for life in this mission of creating a young black man and you know i'm very aware of how our relationship will impact him. And I think his, I know for sure his dad is too. And even the people that we bring in, you know, his dad is about to get married and his fiance is a part of this. So when we, we took first day of school pictures, I sent it to her too. She's going to be a part of my son's life as well. So, you know, I'm intentional about the relationship I'm building with her too. So, you know, we're, we're you know, we, we got this going and we, you know, we just don't make sure we, we don't destroy somebody's life in the process. <laughs> no, I, I I like it. I like it a lot. Um, what what are we doing with the rap music? I mean, you know, this rap music is out here, and I know his mama knows some songs because you know, I know she went to Xavier, so I know she knows some songs too. I I ain't saying you know, I seen her at a few parties. I mean, she stayed you know, professional. I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a cash money. Oh, know, oh for the nine nine, nine, nine and the two thousand. <laughs> Don't let that DR fool you. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, are, are, does he have does he have mom watching the TikToks? Is 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 mom up on everything that's going on out here? So I just joined TikTok. Like I just joined TikTok, and so he was like, "I bet you won't get a hundred followers in a weekend." I'm uh, like, "Okay, uh. can't watch." <laughs> so he's into stuff like that. Um, but he's more into like YouTube, on the YouTube channel. Um, I can say my, I love the fact that he's very nonchalant about a lot of stuff. Right. Like he has a cell phone, but he's not calling people. If if it's a number that's not programmed in his phone, he's not answering. He barely texts his aunt back. <laughs> so he's, he's, not, he's not into stuff like that. We have like the easiest kid. And I tell people all the time, like God do who to give me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> For me and my, you know, I'm just like go with the flow. I'm like I'm gonna fly by by night. Like I go with the wind and he is too. So I can't complain. Right, um, man. I, I, you know I, these these stories that keep me inspired that let me know I'm doing the right thing and I don't know what that is exactly I think I'm just have have dope people like yourself on this pod and we can talk about mm-hmm. you know these things like this which brings me to where we are now right. now um this clip came across my screen on Instagram right and and uh look let me tell you something I ain't gonna lie to you the minute it hit my screen immediately immediately you was on this shoulder like right here. And I was like, you know, I need to talk to you, right? That's immediately, right? And it could have been the therapist part. It could have been the delivery because I was just like, I got to ask Audrey, is this, is this kind of stuff okay, right? And basically, her, her name is Shabri Rawls. She's a therapist. And she came on TikTok. And in this most broadest sense, she was her mission, I think, was to urge black men to seek therapy. Now, I'm going to play the clip, right? And 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 then you and I dive into it after that. And and I just want to tell everybody first off and foremost, I don't as a black man, I don't know if I'm wrong, but I don't really take offense to most things that go on social media, right? I kind of look at them and keep stro- scrolling because I right. and, and it, I watch them a little more closely now because I want this pod to always be something that makes people go, that's why I rock with him. That's why I listen because he can talk about these things, right? But I don't get as fired up as about some of this craziness or, you know, right. what it when it becomes crazy on social media for some reason. And I guess I was the target. Right. And maybe it's because I feel like this. 
I consider you a friend and I really believe you tell me the truth. And I remember we had you on the pod before and you was talking about like, yo, there's some things we need to talk about as black men and unpack. And I take that kind of stuff to heart of like, I want her to tell me the truth because she's my friend. I don't want a friend to be like, let me make you can feel good, even though I'm looking at him and it's like, and you weren't necessarily telling me that I need therapy, but you did tell us, you know, like, don't be afraid of it, you know, and there's, there's a reason for it. Um, and before I play the clip, I want to ask you this question and, and you could tell me if you think that I'm wrong or right. Right. I am beginning to think though, and I may catch some backlash for this, that, some people are using the mental health thing and the therapy thing as a crutch. And here's why I say that. I'm not saying that we as black men don't have a lot to unpack because I know me myself, right? I will take things and just keep walking with them and I don't want to talk to nobody about them. And there right. are probably up until probably the pandemic, there were probably a lot of things going on around me that I just didn't even deal with, including like I felt like I was losing myself, but I didn't even deal with it because I was so busy even as dope as everybody was telling me I was for getting in these spaces as a DJ, whatever inside of me though, I felt like I was playing a, a part that wasn't even really me, but I wasn't sitting down to unpack it and deal with it myself. Right. But when I look at people like Charlemagne, the God really comes to mind and not because he's the biggest or whatever, but because I feel like I don't think that you should go to therapy forever. I think mm. you should at some point be dealing with the therapy supposed to be for right and it just seems like I keep hearing from people like him. And again, I'm not quoting him because I don't have the exact words, but it's like this push for like, we should be going to see a therapist forever. I just don't believe that. I believe that right. we should deal with things. Yes. If I got to come see you and you a safe space for me to talk and let it all out and can help me unpack some things. I'm not mad at nobody doing that, mm -hmm. but especially in the black community, it seems like every time I see something happen, everybody's people are in the comments and it don't it don't take you long to get to it like the fifth comment mental health this some people to me they just assholes uh, excuse me the way i put it mm -hmm. they just do mm -hmm. foul stuff and we can't blame it all they've been doing foul stuff for 16 years you, that's just dealing with being a foul person you know so am i crazy for saying that out loud no not at all um and because i tell my clients all the time like my job is not to be your therapist forever i don't want to see anyone forever because what that lets me know that I'm not doing my job. If, if if I can't help you come up with solutions and guide you, you know, on the path to where you can solve problems on your own or you can resolve issues for yourself, then I'm not doing my job as a therapist. Um, so, you know, I do agree with you that therapy um, should not, it, it doesn't have to be a lifelong thing. However, I do have clients who come to me with issues and they, those issues are resolved and they, you know, they're feeling better. They, they have confidence in their ability to kind of move forward on their journey. And then later on, something else happens and they call me back. Absolutely fine with that, you know, um, because sometimes you just need that, um, that objective ear to kind of help you sort through, or you just need someone to say, you know, no, that you, you know, validate what you're thinking. No, you are doing the right thing. Yeah, you, you, you're handling it the right way. And so, you know, I, I do understand not being in therapy forever, but also having the opportunity or the availability of someone when you need something, you can go back to it. Okay, boom. I, I, I can accept that. But, you know, I, that's what I, I mean. And to me, I think that's a great way to put it. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it's like having a doctor, right? I don't, I don't want to go see my doctor every day, but, right. but I want to get that physical every year. 
And if something is wrong, I want him to be there that I'll be like, look, doc, this don't feel right. Let me check on that. Absolutely. But to go see him every week just to be like, hey, doc, man, you know, my neck hurt. Let me check that. Bro, you might just slept wrong, bro. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. (laughs) So so let's get into this clip. That's the first thing I want to do. And and then we'll we'll just get the clip first. Jason, let's, let's, let's rock with this. Well, hello. It's your friendly neighborhood therapist who thought she could save these hoes, but got her job terminated as a result. Story time? I think yes. Shit you not, I posted a video on Monday telling men that their dusty behavior is only harming them and that they would benefit from emotional intelligence. And I shit you not, by Friday, didn't have employment. All of this started with the Psychology Today article stating that men are lonelier than ever because they have no fucking emotional skills. And I agreed and doubled down and told y'all that y'all lives would radically improve if you expanded the shit that came out your mouth. But instead of healing, y'all will do anything but that. Instead of being accountable, like, hey, this bitch see me, I stirred a little bit, y'all got so hurt, so hurt that you contacted Massa. Mm-hmm, that's exactly what happened. So first the post goes viral on Twitter. Cause y'all need fucking help. And y'all wanted to argue with bitches blue till they fucking blew in the face. Some of you hoes is not gonna be saved. And that's the conclusion that I've come to. So because this shit's gone viral, I'm thinking, okay, cool. We starting a discussion on mental health and people are, you might not like my fucking delivery, but motherfuckers is starting to talk, you know, shaking the tables, I don't give a fuck. But then it turns into this entire crusade of attacking a black woman who serves the fucking black community. There were comments like, I'm gonna find her credentials and report her, cause I told y'all to be better? Yeah, y'all are fucking weird. Y'all scream that y'all want to protect women, protect black women specifically, but have done nothing to protect this black woman who has been serving the communities. I have been violated in several areas and I'm gonna outline each one. This article was written by a fucking black woman putting my full government and my place of employment. So being doxxed by a black woman can't fake kind of fucking hurts. And she never once reached out to me or contacted. Who? Uh, I bet I bet you heard that. Who? <laughs> it's a it's a lot to unpack here. And and I I had where she was working at actually, but she's since been fired, right? Um, and I'll I'll get to that part. But but even. Before I get to that, and I'll look for that, but I want to just start first with when I first sent you that clip and now that you've had a chance to hear it again, what are your just before your just very initial thoughts off the top? Right. So when you sent that to me, I had just heard of this story, but didn't really read a lot into it. Um, And so when you sent it to me, I was just like, oh, they did another sister wrong. You know, just going along with the narrative, which most of us do if we don't do the research. Um, I was just like, wow, you know, I can I can see how, you know, we have an opinion as therapists and, you know, people take it wrong. But it should it should never end up in, you know, us being terminated. Right. Right. But then I did my research. (laughs) Right. Um, So I, I, I went to her social media. Um, to kind of just peruse just so I can, you know, get an idea of, you know, what, you know, where this came from, because I wanted to see the actual video of that kind of sparked all of this right. before I make the comment. Um, and what, you know, and, and I'm not, I will, you know, 
I don't like judging other people, mm-hmm. you know, um, because that's not my job is to judge. But I can say as a therapist, um, I know that there is a certain decorum that I have to have in my social media presence um, just as a therapist who's delivering a message um, and to allow people to have confidence in my ability to be their partner on their journey of healing. Right. Right. Um, and so as I was going through her social media, I was, you know, um, I was intrigued by her presentation as a therapist, you know, and again, there is no cookie cutter. What you know, There is no one way to be a therapist because right. there is some, there is someone for everyone. There's an audience for her and, you know, there's a clientele for her. Mm-hmm. If she was in private practice, ah. when you work for an agency um, and, a, you know, I, I worked in corporate America, um, most most agencies and most corporations have social media policies now. Right. And can I stop and you right there? Hold, hold that thought. Uh-huh. Right. And the reason I want to stop you is because I do have some points to what you're saying. She actually worked at Grow Well Cleveland, which is the agency like you're talking about. Right. And to the flip side of your other point. She's she has like 150,000 followers on Twitter. So there's the Mm -hmm. two sides that you're talking about right there. I just want to throw that in a while, you know, while you're making the point. So go ahead. Right. And so most agencies, they do have social media policies now where um, especially when people know you work for. And I didn't see where she mentioned her employer, um, but still that social media policy, depending on what it is and for that agency, it could cover you know, her, her presence and how she delivers herself on social media. Right. You know, that's just like, you know, when teachers now they're getting fired for certain pictures that they post, you know, there's outrage from parents about the content for, for some educators. There's no difference for, you know, other professions. Um, I, I know, you know, a lot of people who've lost their jobs by what they post on social media. Right. right. So I, I say that to say, and again, this is not a judgment. This is saying, I don't know if the reason why she got fired was because of this article or because maybe her employer didn't see her social media presence at first or they didn't think it was an issue until they started to get these complaints. Right. But. As someone again, I I was the VP of a a, of a correctional health care company. And I and I I worked with HR very closely. It would be very difficult to, just from my experience, terminate someone without a history of uh. a certain behavior, um, because you have to have a you know this progressive disciplinary action, you know, right? Or if the offense was so egregious where they say you know we this is a this is a blatant violation of our policy and our ethics. They'll, they'll have a hard time firing her for, for someone calling her job, saying that I don't like that video that she posted. Right. But to that, if that point, was a case, she, she has a, she has a case. Right. But to that point, though, you you know what the initial fireback on that going to be. You know, they find a way to fire us, folks. That That's going to be the initial fireback yeah. on that. Right. Um, do you think there's something to the point, though, where 
she said like her, you know, because one of the points that she seemed to really be making here, right, is that she spends a lot of time trying to help her own people, right? Mm-hmm. And her own people are the very ones that are getting on the bus, starting the bus, and pretty mm-hmm. much driving over her, right? Like she made the right. point of it's a black woman that's the writer for the paper that is pushing the story out there. But also, okay. and again, these are things that we're hearing from this video, and I don't know because I haven't talked to all these people, but she's saying that the person who wrote the article didn't even reach out to her, which I think right. if that is the case, that's wrong as a journalist. Like, you know, to me, you should right. always, if, if you're going to get out here and you're going to air this person out in an article, then I always want to talk to that person because I think that there's mm-hmm. three sides to every story. You know, there's your side, right. my side, and then there's those screenshots, which is kind of mm-hmm. how I live my life, you know, but that's another story. Um, right. <laughs> you know, and, and then she also said she, the black men that she want to help are the very ones getting overly defensive and they coming for her. Mm-hmm. Y- y- your take on that part. You know, um, one, I'll say this. It's easy, it's easy to say that it's always us that's hurting us, but the majority of the people who follow us is us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like Boom. I can't, I can't, I can't say, you know, oh man, all black people they complain about my service when most of my clientele is African American. Like who else would complain about it? If right. That is my clientele. So, you know. This is just taking the emotionality out of it and looking at pure facts. Are most of her followers us? You know, who's going to get her content the most? Right. So you have to be mindful of that. Um, you know, just who who's her audience? Who, who's her primary audience? And those are going to be the ones who receive the message. And then they may have something to say about it. Right. Um, I definitely agree. Like if you're going to write such an article about someone, you will want them to reach out to you and get clarification, your opinion. Um, and so, again, you know, I, I can see it from that point of view. But everyone has the ability to um, kind of, especially in the social media era, to state their opinion. Right. You know, I didn't I wouldn't say that this article that was written was fact. That was that writer's opinion. Right. Right. Just like it was her opinion to post the first video. So when you are offering opinions, you have to be open also to receive it. Boom. Yeah. And and that's kind of really my take on that. Yeah. And and I think to to your point, right, we think because we have the screen and we started it, that our opinion is only one that matter. And then when we get those people in the comments that going to be there that don't agree with us. Right. All of a sudden is I can't right. believe you guys. I can, but you started this conversation like right. you, you, you know, and, and this, this thing to me with, with social media people. Right. And, and to your other point, right. You, you made a point about like, you know, we were talking about her delivery as a therapist or at, let, let me just use my doctor. Like I thought I put myself in these things. Right. If I went to my doctor <laughs> And he was talking to me the way she was speaking. He could be giving me all facts, but his messaging is probably going to be lost in right. what he's saying. You know what I'm saying? In right. the way he's delivering it to me. You know, if we go in and I'll be like, 
you know, doc, like, you know, like I ain't been sleeping well. Well, let me tell you one motherfucking thing. You can, you need, you, y'all in the motherfucking club drinking it. And, and this, I'm probably going to be like, you know what, doc, don't even worry about it, bro. Like, I'm going to fix this sleeping thing on my own. And he could be giving me all facts, but I feel like I'm talking to one of my boys over beers and I done lost the fact that I trust this dude with my help. Right, right. And, and that's what I was talking about in the beginning. There is a certain uh, decorum that I, I present with, and I know a lot of therapists present with because people are coming to us at their lowest sometimes. And they wanna, they wanna be able to trust that we know what we're doing and they judge us by what they see, what they hear from us. And that's rightfully so. Like you will want to know more about the person that you're about to be really, really vulnerable with. Like, I want to know, like, this person carries themselves a certain way. Right. And again, not to judge her, because I, like I said, there's an audience for everyone. Um, but you have to, when you when you put that image out or you put that kind of vibrato in the, the atmosphere, you have to be open to receiving that type of, you know, frequency, that that low vibration, you know, energy. You have to be be able to receive that back. Right. Um, because I can tell you again, yeah, I, I'm, I'm talking to other therapists. We were talking about, you know, do, I'm talking about starting a group practice. And the one thing I told one of the potential therapists that, you know, I am talking with, what I don't want is dancing therapists on TikTok to represent my brand. Boom, boom. Yeah, and, That's and you're my allowed. Choice. Right. Yeah. And you're allowed. I was going to say, you're choice. allowed. And I know what audience that I want to reach. I know what, from feedback from my current clients, what they like, what they feel comfortable with. And that for me isn't it, you know, just being responsible for social media, being responsible for the content, being responsible for the message that we put out, I think is really important for all therapists right? to, to be mindful of. Yeah. I'm going to preface this next question with, let me be clear. The, the internet just don't bother me that much. I don't know whether I, I, I don't know if I'm a special kind of DJ or something. I just feel like I, I there's a couple things. I feel like I live a real life. So I don't feel I feel like the internet to right. me is like I feel like the world is like this. There's two people in the world. There's a there's a tweeter and there's a retweeter, right? Tweeters, we out here living like we living for real. The mm-hmm. retweeters, I'm not saying that they're not living, but they're often living after we've already set a precedent and they're able to analyze what we do. So it's easy to sit in your house and analyze what someone did and did right. didn't do right. Right. So to that point, I say um, also, and I love hate this dude, but I got the Kanye confidence and I will take the Kanye confidence to my grave because to me, I don't <laughs> care what nobody says about that dude. The confidence he has in himself is unmatched. Right. And that is what I love about him. Other things he do, I don't can't say, but the Kanye confidence, the DJ Khaled confidence, I look right. up to them dudes for that because to me, if you believe in yourself that much, nothing is ever going to stop you that right. to that point. Right. So one of her big points, like she said, was, you know, um, you know, of course, as um, she was talking to men of color, we were the particular target. And and I have I preface that because, like I said, I ain't really listened to it. I just I just thought it was a dope story to talk about. Nothing she said really bothered me because I don't mm-hmm. take the Internet that serious. Right. But. Right. You know, one of the statements she made was it's so your life can be easier. Don't you want to be able to communicate with your bitch? Now, language aside. Am I correct in starting to think that to the therapist population that the black man is starting to be like low hanging fruit? It's like they all start <laughs> thinking that like the black man got these. Pro- and I, Don't get me wrong. 
I do think there's a lot of trauma in the black neighborhood, right. but I think there's enough of that for everybody. I, right. I, you know, because we're supposed to be the leaders of the household and that's the way it was, you know, back in the day. But I think right now y'all running right beside of us where it's a team right. for the household, because I'd really, like I said, I really do think it's a lot of dope black women out here like yourself that are like, yo, I'd be like, you know what? I, I want to get more educated so that, that way I ain't never lost in the conversation, you know, and I don't think right. you uppity or nothing. Right. But back to that. Am I wrong for feeling like the black man is starting to be low hanging fruit when we're talking about therapy? Well, well, here, um, I, I can see how you could perceive it that way. Um, and, and I'm going to take my therapist hat off because I will say that I'm, I'm seeing a lot of um, black men be more comfortable with therapy. You know, um, some black men that you wouldn't even imagine you know, just by pure, you know, stereotype coming to therapy. Right. Um, so, you know, so I'm put that aside because I know that isn't necessarily the truth about black men not opening, engaging in therapy. But, but personally, um, I don't think it's low hanging fruit. I think that it's the passion that, that we as black women have for, black men in wanting the collective to be better you know it's not that you know trust me if i didn't have to work so hard if i have to do all this stuff i, I don't want to be this i don't want to do all the things hard I, you know, right but, but you know who i need i need somebody there that i can be like ah oh, you I, I know you got me right <laughs> And some of that is our own traumas by not wanting to kind of open up and be vulnerable to a, a, a man in our lives, right? But I think as a collective, we just really want, you know, the black man to be back on that pedestal, you know, you know, walking in suits all day. And we probably not gonna get to that level, but <laughs> but that I think that we as black women long for that. And sometimes our passion for wanting that gets in the way where we push and we urge and we try to make and we don't surrender and allow it to flow. Uh, just being just uh, encouraging and not pushing, but being supportive and allowing that man to come to himself in his own due time. And so I, I think that's what it is. I, I just think it's the, the, the want for, you know, the black man to kind of be back in his, the, his rightful, you know, place in, in society. So th that's my take on it. Right. Now on the flip side of that, right. On the flip side of that, um, the question I have, I'm going to leave it here because I also, because um, I want to ask you this also, but um, one of the things that came out of this article too, and these articles and things that I'm starting to see that were written, right. Was that her messaging was lost. And also that th there's a very dangerous message that she's putting out here right and this came from a uh, uh, professor tj curry and he tweeted this right he was like there's such a this is such a dangerous pop culture articulation of black male mental health issues pathologi pathologizing and speaking down to patients struggling to find words for trauma right. is not best practice in any literature i have read this shaming tactic is why many black men don't pursue therapy right right and, and that that is absolutely true one of the, the first things that they teach us when we are, you know, in school uh, to become a therapist is compassion. 
you know, you can't be effective in helping someone along their journey if you don't have compassion, if you're if you don't have empathy towards what their struggle is. Right. And so to dismiss the trauma of the black man. is you're missing the boat with wanting them to kind of be back in that rightful place that that, you know, I spoke of earlier because the black man has a trauma that even I as a black woman therapist will not ever be able to fully understand. Um, just like black men won't understand our traumas as women, as mothers. However, you have to acknowledge that there's a level, there's layers of you know societal issues that black men struggle with. And just to say, why don't you go to therapy so you can talk better to your woman? Because I gotta worry about you know this. I gotta worry about that. I gotta worry about the police. I gotta worry about. I gotta worry about all this other stuff. Like that's not that's not my primary issue right now. It may be a primary issue for you because that's what you want from me. But that's not what's stressing me out right now. Right. And so I think that we we have to be mindful of you know how we communicate to to one another, especially in the helping profession, so that we don't push people away that we don't make them feel like getting help is more traumatizing than me just kind of figuring out, figuring it out on my own. And so you can't force, you know, and I was actually a professor at, the, at uh, one of the universities here and I was teaching um, therapists and training. And the one thing I told them is, you know, one of the, one of the students was trying to get, you know, one of the clients to acknowledge that she had, had been sexually assaulted and she was trying to say, make her say, you've been raped. And, and so I said to her, why is that important to you for her to say that? Because it's not important for her. Right. So sometimes we have to check ourselves and say, why are we forcing what we want on this group of people? So then that, then we're, we're working in our ego instead of working you know, in our profession and trying to work in, you know, in a space of being helpful, we're putting our issues on, you know, someone else. And so, you know, the, the gist of that was I, I had to explain when people are not ready to open up, be vulnerable, you can't force it. They have to come willingly. And it's up to us to create a safe space for them to feel comfortable saying that or, or opening up. And so if I'm, if I'm, tongue lashing a black man and you know i'm on social media y'all need to do this and y'all need to do that guess what i'm not gonna get a black male there uh, a client i'm too i'm too harsh i'm too aggressive my tone is is more of what they are already experiencing in society so why would i be a safe space for him right man there's a lot to unpack here um here's a final question i want to ask you and it's the, it's the question that i was holding right here and maybe you have an answer. I'm not sure. As black men, though, right, from what you've seen and in your work and what you see, what can we do to to, you know, make people, you know, like like this doctor understand, like, you know, and not that it's even a black man's job to make her understand or whatever. But, you know, maybe to if, I guess the way I'm trying to put it is to be more accepting of the help that's there for us or, you know, you know, what can we do? You know, and, and what right. I, I and we know, I mean, I'm a black man. That's one thing I do know. I ain't ready to open up to everybody about everything. 
But right. is there some steps that we maybe could take as black men to kind of walk towards that step of, you know, what you were talking about of like what the black woman sees us as without it being a tussling or, you know, a back and forth about them telling us how we should be and us feeling like, yo, why don't you just let me be who I got to be? You know what I'm saying? And, and is it maybe just us opening up more? Is it us talking more? Like, you know. You know, I, I wouldn't even say that black men don't talk more. You guys go to the barbershop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we talk. Yeah. My, my brother-in-law is a barber. I know what type of stuff y'all talk about in the barbershop. That's a form of therapy. Right. That's a form of release. So, you know, for me to say black men need to be more open. What I'm saying is they need to be more open with me. And that's not fair. That's not fair to say this is the only help that a black man can get. You ah. know, however, it's a different form of help that a lot of black men aren't accustomed to. Um, because, again, this whole thing, there, there aren't a lot of black therapists, you know, and we're growing in numbers every year. But there aren't a, a, there aren't a lot and there aren't enough. And so um, I think that this whole idea of going to therapy is somewhat new um, for our community. And I think that people are slowly opening up to the idea of going to therapy. Right. Um, so, you know, it's going to take time. It's going to take time. So what can you do as a black man, I think, is to challenge whatever fear that you have about being vulnerable, about opening up, about sharing your story, um, because your story has power within itself. And sometimes when we tell the story, we detach from the emotion. Right. Because a lot of times what keeps us stuck is you know, the the attachment to my story, my struggle, my, you know, and that keeps us, you know, behind a wall. And so if we detach from that and by telling the story, we're not, we're not, we're not riding in that victim bus mentality anymore. And so then we, once we get off of that bus and see the possibilities, you know, of what we can do, who we, who we truly are, um, once we step into our true selves. So I think, I think challenging the idea of being vulnerable, that fear is, is really important. And, and, and I'm into this thing now where I t- I, I'm talking to my clients to kind of see, keep, that, keep it really simple. We only have two emotions. For me, this is my personal. We only have two emotions. We have love, which is the highest emotion, which is the highest vibration emotion. And then we have fear. Two emotions. Everything that we do is either based out of love or based out of fear. That's how simple we can keep it. We go to work, two reasons. That we love our job, we love our profession, we love what we do, or we fear not having enough money, to, not, not finding a new job. We fear our true potential. So which one is it? So I think by challenging this thought about being vulnerable, we also can ask ourselves, am I moving in love or am I moving in fear? Am I not going to therapy because I feel like I get enough love or I'm I'm loving everything in my life or do I fear opening up to my true potential? So I think that's that's another way to look at it. Um, I like that way, actually. Um, It's simple. Man, let me tell you something right now, man. 
tell people tell me I don't know smart people. They don't, they don't know me. They don't know me, boy. Let me tell you something. Her name is Dr. Audrey Townsell. I, you see, I got that doctor thing right. All right, all I, right. I am proud of you, girl, and I and I and I appreciate you more than words can say for coming here and spending this hour with me and having this conversation. And and honestly, like I said, it's to me like as crazy as I am and as wild as I am, I love these conversations because I feel yeah. like not only do I learn something, but I feel like especially brothers that look like me, that next generation, right. women like yourself. I think we all can learn from these conversations because because to your right, point absolutely. earlier, right? Unless a discussion is had like this, a lot of times because of our passion and even this young lady right here, right? The doctor, things probably were lost in her messaging. Like, and you know, one thing point she made out to me was like, as a therapist, right? You have this natural thing that you want to help people. And maybe mm-hmm. that was her intention. And right. I think that all kinds of chaos have come out now that we're almost not even talking about what her actual beginning point seemed like it was supposed to be. Right. You know, and right. I just want to be able to have like these discussions, man. And I think that we should have more of them with the people that look like us because right. a lot of times it seems like we can't even have this discussion. And mm-hmm. I think that that's mm-hmm. bad. So, again, like I said, I appreciate you more than words uh, for sitting here and having this discussion with me and taking the time and, you know, just just being you, man. Uh, always. Man, let me tell always. you something. You know, I'm always here when you call me uh, and that's off the podcast and, you know, and on. Um, You know, of course, I cherish our friendship and, you know, everything, you know, anything that I can do to kind of help um, kind of spread the word of, you know, you know, us being able to be a better group of people. You know, I'm always down for it. I appreciate that. Where can they find you at on social media if they're looking for you? Absolutely. You can find me on Calyx Psychological. That's C-A-L-Y-X Psychological um, on on all platforms and um it's calyxpsychological.com on the world wide web on Beyonce's internet. Oh yeah, there you go. You you're not gonna be dancing <laughs> you're not you're not dancing on TikTok though, right? You're not dancing on mm. my son might though. Oh yeah, not. well you know that dude don't play though. That dude You don't want to see me dance. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, I appreciate you again and uh thank you so much for taking the time, man. For everybody rocking with us here at the DJ Eakin Podcast, my man Jason, Radio Influence, man, find us everywhere, man, at DJ Eakin and of course um on YouTube at DJ Eakin TV. All right. Um we here. Um I'm just trying to keep it right, man, and, and I can't do this without guests like you. Thank you again. All right. Thank you. Talk soon. Looking for studios in the Tampa Bay area to record your podcast? Radio Influence can help. With two studios on either side of the bay, Radio Influence has you covered. Engineered and produced by longtime radio professionals, achieve the excellence in podcasting that you and your listeners deserve. For more information or to schedule studio time, email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. Radio Influence, the future is now.